0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's uh, Saturday, March 30, 1st, 2018. Welcome back to the Island College Basketball Podcast. i got Matt Norlander here with me. He's in San Antonio. I'm in San Antonio. We really haven't seen each other much. I know at the end of the last podcast, uh, Norlander, I promised that I was going to meet you out. We'd dance around San Antonio. Um, that didn't work out so well. I saw you briefly, I guess it was yesterday afternoon yes. or maybe the day before. Yesterday. Yeah, I, I'm losing track of my days. Losing track of my hours, losing track of my bar tabs. It's been a rough. It's been a rough 24 hour period for me.
1: Yeah, you actually were rocking some sunglasses <laughs> and had the wraparound mic uh, as you're getting ready to do some hits for CBS Sports Network. <laughs> and hey, man, great look. That's all I can say.
0: <laughs> they told us here's the problem, Norlett. Let me speak to you as a television professional for a second. Um, the problem when you're on an outside set and you're not actually at the desk is that you're not actually covered, and so what ends up happening if you're not wearing sunglasses is you're squinting into the camera, and it's very noticeable. People go, why are you squinting into the camera? Well, because the sun's right in my eyes, or some lights are right in my eyes, and so they actually free us up. They encourage us to wear sunglasses. So when you saw Rostin and I on the side set outside the Alamo yesterday afternoon, we're both wearing sunglasses. Um, It wasn't because we were trying to look cool, even though we did look cool. It was because uh, we were instructed. Without sunglasses, you're going to end up squinting. In fact, I didn't even bring sunglasses to San Antonio. I had to go buy those. I purchased those yesterday morning. I wore them yesterday afternoon. I rocked them yesterday afternoon.
1: That's interesting. Did you uh, you happen to see Billy Preston when you purchased those? Because I had to swing by a Macy's, pick up a tie for CBS Sports HQ, and – Preston was walking with Kansas gear on. It was I almost did a double take there, so I didn't know if, if you had also seen him. Uh, I
0: did not see Billy Preston. Did you happen to notice what kind of car he was driving? I
1: did not because this is San Antonio, and you really don't need to be in a car if you're going to be in the downtown area. Plus, right. we are in the middle of a mall, so I couldn't exactly pick that out there. But regardless, it's uh, it's been a fun, interesting week so far. We're ready for these games to get going. But GP, if you may allow me, we were not together on Friday night. And we're going to preview these games. But were you watching that UConn-Notre Dame game?
0: Yes. So we were at dinner. I mean, think – so first off, let's back up. Last year in Phoenix – where were we, Phoenix? We were yes. in Phoenix for the Final Four. Same deal. UConn's in trouble. And the entire bar in Phoenix where we were at, like, is suddenly, like, paying attention to this women's basketball game. And seem like people seem invested in it the way you might if – um, if one of your favorite teams is playing, or if you've got money on it, but they weren't. They were just invested in the story. Oh, wow, the Yukon women uh, might actually lose. And so that was a neat experience. Like I don't know that I've ever seen an entire bar uh, focused on a women's basketball game, but I experienced that in Phoenix. And same deal last night. I'm at dinner with, there's about 10 of us at dinner, and we're checking the scores. And it's like, oh, oh wow, the Yukon women are only up three. Oh, wow, the Yukon women are only up whatever. Oh, wow, the Yukon women are down. And on our phones, like we pulled up phones at the dinner table, and we're watching the game on our phones. The whole dinner table is. So then it goes to overtime, and we, we settle up. We close, our, we close our, uh, our, our check, and we shuffle to the bar in the same hotel that we were having dinner at and we you know we we watched the overtime and it was amazing like an unbelievable shot at the buzzer in overtime and so the Yukon women lose to Notre Dame 91-89 and it was just it really is like insane like this this program never loses and now in consecutive years they've lost in the final four like, uh, I, I've like t- that's the story of postseason college basketball so far. So I tweeted, like, we got to get Sister Jean to UConn because they, they obviously need some help. And I don't know if you uh, saw the Wright-Thompson story on Gino Ariema recently at ESPN.com, ESPN the magazine. But, like, it, it was this man who's accomplished so much who, but who remains every day fearful of what happened last night. So to watch them lose again... And now they'll finish their season thirty six and one. Just incredible stuff.
1: Yeah, that is a listen. It's a it's a huge sports story, and there is something pretty uh, fascinating about UConn now at this point. That senior class uh, went one hundred and forty eight and three, which is a ninety eight winning ninety eight percent winning percentage, which is just bonkers. I mean, that's. Beyond uh, even beyond the John Wooden teams at, the, at their peak when they won 88 in a row, they weren't they didn't win 148 151 games and uh, and now for two straight years to have them lose dramatically, you know, with last second shots essentially um, in back to back years in the women's final four is man it it's really it's it's good for co- for college basketball women's college basketball that UConn is this good and now has been taken out in consecutive years like this because at least it brings some sort of dramatic element and some sort of the element of unknown to the women's tournament because even though you know Yukon has just piled up so many championships and they've been so dominant after all these years uh one game situation these kind of things can happen and we do have we know we have this weird void this gap now where Yukon hasn't won the title and where I was as well Whole place last night. Um, I didn't. I didn't scoot in there until about five minutes were left in the game, maybe about six minutes left in the fourth quarter, and uh, and certainly. And then, like you, you felt like Notre Dame was going to blow this. Like they were going to choke it away when they had when they had the game in regulation. Then it gets to overtime. You think maybe this is going to you know go how it's, uh, how it so often goes, where the better team gets the opportunity and they they pull away. That's just not what happened whatsoever. And um, good on Notre Dame. And now they'll play Mississippi State for the national championship on Sunday. UConn will obviously still be the number one team in the country next year, but it always it added a little bit of uh, a little bit of excitement and a lot of drama here to the final four in, in San Antonio let alone Ohio where the game was played.
0: meantime uh, fast forward to 509 Central tonight or later this afternoon and the men's final four will get underway It's Loyola Chicago against Michigan that'll be followed by Kansas against Villanova. Let's take these one by one Loyola Chicago against Michigan. I have been asked maybe 40 different times, 40 different ways yes. on radio shows, on television, on CBS Sports HQ hits, can Loyola Chicago beat Michigan? And every time I sort of roll my eyes at the question because, of course, like, yes, I know that Loyola Chicago getting to the national championship game would be unprecedented. A double-digit seed's never gotten there. So we are, on one hand, asking Loyola Chicago to do something that's never been done. Get to the title game as a double-digit seed. On the other hand, we're not asking Loyola Chicago to do anything that they haven't already done, which is beat a three-seed in this NCAA tournament. They beat Tennessee, the SEC co-champs, in the round of 32. And if you can do that, while recognizing Michigan is better than anybody they've played, um, if I'm Porter Mosier, that's what I'm saying. Like, hey, we we don't have to do anything other than what we've already done. We've beaten a three-seed before. We've beaten Tennessee plus Florida plus Miami, plus Nevada, plus Kansas State, we can beat Michigan as well. I'm not saying Loyola Chicago's going to win the game, but the idea that there's some, like, this is not George Mason getting to the national semifinals and then being overwhelmed. At least I don't think so. I'll be surprised if we don't have a, a close game.
1: I'd be extremely surprised if we don't have a close game. Loyola can win the game. I think it will win the game, GP, because they've got the capability to get back on defense. They always are in their half-court sets on defense. Now, Mo Wagner is clearly, to me, the one player that makes this so interesting because can Loyola stop him from doing what he's capable of doing? I have no idea if he is or not. And honestly, if 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 they cannot do it, if they can't stop him, will they basically just accept whatever Wagner's going to give Michigan and look to shut them down elsewhere that to me is the most interesting aspect of this game because Krutwig they're big he kind of knows what he is he's he's a little little limited in what he does defensively maybe more than a little limited just a freshman Um, and he doesn't play a ton of minutes anyway so that's that's an intriguing aspect. Overall, the spectacle of the game. I, I hope we get a good one. I hope we get a close one. I hope this isn't George Mason going up against Florida and just you know the, it was a great story. Now it's time to shuffle along here so the big boys can get it done and get onto the national championship game. I think Loyola's got a great shot at getting there. Um, but again, let's let's rem- rem- remember that Michigan they have their best defense ever. It's never been remotely close. Um, if anyone listening has the time to to read a couple of stories, I actually have a, I have two stories up on each of these teams on the site right now. One is about Michigan's defense and Luke Joklich, uh, who came over from Illinois State, and Dan Muller, who basically uh, bequeathed two of his assistants last summer to John Beeline, and John Beeline did not even have to take guys. That he did, Beeline didn't know these guys, didn't have to take these guys, but he did. I mean, he, he was looking for something young, fresh, different. As long as they were the right fit, he was going to take them. He's part of that Michigan uh, defensive attack. And and I tried to get some state secrets from Jokolic a couple days ago. Obviously was unsuccessful in that. And then on the other side of it, Porter Moser, have a story about him and just – the stuff that he does behind the scenes that a lot of people don't realize. I had a few coaches that are pretty close with him share some pretty good details. So I uh, I liked both those stories. If you have the time, please, please try and read them. As for the game, though, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be within two possessions with less than three minutes to go. I like Loyola's chances to win this one. Um, coaching matchup, obviously, you give it to line. Best player on the floor is Wagner. You give it to Michigan there as well. But is a top 15 team in two-point and three-point percentage. It's a top 30 team in defensive adjusted efficiency. So they are they are worthy of being here. I think it's going to be a great game. I would be pretty bummed, GP, if this winds up being some sort of 71-55 Michigan win. I mean, if it happens like that, congrats to the Wolverines, and on they go, and they'll have a shot at winning the title on Monday night. But I think the way Loyola has played all season, not just, not just in the tournament, all season, um, they're worthy of making this, uh, at, the, at the very least, uh, a game that's in doubt with less than two minutes remaining.
0: Yeah, typically when there's a double-digit seed in the Final Four, they have gotten hot um, relative to what they did the rest of the season and then advanced through the bracket. That's not really what happened to Loyola Chicago. Even if most people just started paying attention to the story, the truth is they've been good all season. Uh, Clayton Custer missed five games early. They went two and three in those games. So if you take that five-game stretch out of the equation, they're actually 30 and two with Clayton Custer in the lineup. That's their best player. They're 30 and 2 with him in the with him with him available. Um, and they've beaten like I said earlier, Florida, Miami, Tennessee, Nevada, Kansas State. So this isn't some scrappy little team that got hot from the three-point line and 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 bounced into the final four. Like they have always been good. They're top 30 at Kenpom right now. I saw somebody tweet the other day that if you take those games where Custer didn't play out of the equation, they'd be closer to top 20 than top 30. And either way, they're top 30. So the gap in brand between Michigan, Loyola, Chicago is pretty big. The gap in reputation, I suppose, is pretty big. But the gap in actual quality of basketball team, I don't think is, is, is vast at all. Um, I do think Michigan wins the game, but... You know, it's a five point spread for a reason, and I think Loyola finishes inside of that number. And obviously, if I'm saying they can finish inside of five, then I, I think they can win the game. You're taking Loyola to win. I'll take Michigan to win. Something like, uh, you know, sixty three sixty. But I, I do think this is a competitive game, and I hope it is because. Um, the Loyola story is a is a tremendous story, and I'd hate to, I, 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 you know, there's nothing cool about watching them get run right off the court unless you're a Michigan fan. Yeah,
1: I'm gonna go Loyola 65 63. Um, I, I, I look forward to these final four games every year, and uh, but this one, I just, I don't know, I, I'm, I, they both play so well, like. If if you're telling somebody, hey, listen, this could be a 63-61 game, they might be like, okay, but that's not like a ton of offense. The thing is, they look good doing what they do. They're just going to take a little bit of time to get there. And Loyola likes to really stretch teams' patience when Loyola is on defense and making them work for the kind of shot that they want to get. That's the biggest thing. If you see by the second media timeout at the under 12, the game is – 19-10, 19-10, to 10, Michigan is up, and they're kind of getting shots they want early in the shot clock. Keep an eye on any potential adjustments if if needed from Loyola and Porter Moser because that is not what they are going to want to be um, allowing Michigan to do whatsoever. And don't forget about the fact that even though Michigan has gotten a lot of pub, and rightfully so for how good the defense has been, John Beeline has uh, buttered his bread for decades on how good of an offensive coach he is, and certainly there very well could be – a significant wrinkle or two that's been put in for B, by Beeline into this Michigan offense to try and offset some of what Loyola does in its half-court sets on defense. So that is a, that is an intriguing thing for me overall. GP, before we get to the second game, I just want to mention on the podcast real quick here, I was at the Sister Jean press conference yesterday, and it was one of the weirdest, most surreal experiences in the media I've ever had, maybe at the top of the list. Um, The way it works at the tournament is you have what's called breakout rooms the Friday before the Final Four, and we'll have them again Sunday before the title game, and that is basically an opportunity to spread the media out and get more intimate conversations with players, and you don't have 30 people crammed around a locker because there's so much press here. So there's five breakout rooms for the five starters Porter Moser or the coach will go to the dais and then the locker room is still open for anyone that wants to talk to assistant coaches or bench players or anything like that. But one of the breakout rooms was afforded to Sister Jean before the Loyola media availability was had started and there were at least 40 cameras and there really might have been 50 or 60. At least 175 members in the media in this room. It was it was uh it was kind of a cool thing to be honest just to see to see her and that much positivity. And as I suspected, there has been a little bit of a backlash toward all this and not necessarily the woman, obviously. I mean, she's a 98 year old nun who has become the biggest star of the NCAA tournament. It's, it's kind of crazy. And I, and I, and I wonder what will happen tonight. if Loyola does win just in terms of her, <laughs> in terms of her media availability. It's, it's a, it's a weird thing to think about, but um But I think some people are, oh, gosh, the media, all they want to do is talk about Sister Jean. Well, we've never had a story like her. And two, there are so many stories, hey, including mine, about Porter Moser, go freaking read it, uh, about the players, about Clayton Custer, Dante Ingram, Marcus Towns, all guys that have hit Winning shots in the closing seconds along the way to get here. So I reject the notion that the media is ignoring Loyola's story and Loyola's players and Loyola's team outside of Sister Jean. That's not the case. Yes, she's an easy topic of conversation for CNN and the Today Show and the national nightly news programs. Because, honestly, like I hope we even get to 98, let alone be as lucid and as funny and, and as charming as, uh, as Sister Jean Dolores Schmidt is, and she's been with the program for decades, it's a pretty awesome thing. But it was it was crazy to go through that yesterday. I mean, that was you would have thought one of the most powerful people in the world was about to hold a press conference, given the, how crowded the room was and how much assembled media was there, and how frankly how well behaved everyone was in the in the room. So I just wanted to uh, at least bring attention to that. Should Loyola lose, to me, it was. It was the biggest story of the Final Four on Friday and certainly is a is a lead plot line as we head into the semifinals.
0: I don't think I'm as as, as lucid as Sister Jean right now. That's correct. Like in this moment. That's correct. Like on this morning.
1: Listen, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with you.
0: I, if you've tried or if you're trying online dating, chances are you run into – you know, some combination of lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, random matches that don't turn into dates. But um, if that's the case, then you need to turn to eHarmony because eHarmony, um, there's success stories there. Real people are finding real matches with eHarmony. I've got relatives, uh, actually, who who met and are now married thanks to eHarmony, and that's because eHarmony takes steps that other dating sites I just don't in order to find you a more compatible match. It's built to to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships, not just some shallow hookup site we're talking about. eHarmony has helped more than a million people find their perfect match, and you can be the next. So stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. And you can do that by going to eHarmony.com, eHarmony.com, and enter the code COLLEGE at checkout. That's C-O-L-L-E-G-E. College at checkout. It can be fun to play around with day, online dating apps, but when you're ready to actually fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love. It's eHarmony. Like I said, go to eHarmony.com to get started. That's eHarmony.com to get started. And Enter the code college at checkout. That's eHarmony.com. Kansas Villanova. One seed, one seed. It's going to tip at around seven forty nine. PM Central. It's obviously the headlining game. A big brand against big brand. Who do you got winning it?
1: I have Villanova winning it. Um, Here's one. I think you've mentioned this. I know I've mentioned it. I haven't seen too much discussion about this. But let's see if Kansas can take this game despite the fact that Villanova is tracking as a top. Just generally speaking, a top-three offense uh, of the past 17, 18 years. And this is the worst defensive team ever under Bill Self. Now, Kansas fans are going to be in the building. I think they're going to fill it up close to 50%, if not above that. They're the, they're the program is closer to the Final Four than anyone else. It's a huge fan base. They travel so well. They'll get a nice little boost of, of, of morale support when this game uh, tips, and I think they've got the offensive capabilities to keep it pretty interesting. But if Villanova really finds its groove, and if Kansas, like, who's Kansas going to put on Omari Spellman? If Spellman's able to step out as one of those first halves where, hey, he hits three of four in the Mikal Bridges. He went two of three from deep. Does Kansas have the defense to stop Villanova? No. Do they have the defense to potentially stymie them a bit and slow them? I've got my doubts as well, um, considering that the only team that really had a defense built to do that. And a, and, a, and personnel built to do that was Texas Tech. And even still then, Kansas eclipsed it, 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 it 70 points, won by 12. I'm going to take Villanova to win this game. I think it's going to be a good game. I don't know. Man, I'm going to be dead wrong about both these. Just watch. I don't know if the Villanova-Kansas game is going to be as close start to finish as the Loyola-Michigan game will be. I'll take the Wildcats. They are the best team at the Final Four. They are the ones that are favored to win it now with these four teams left. I thought they were the second-best team in college basketball before Virginia got knocked out. And if you're really looking at the entire season, I think that was a fair evaluation. But since Virginia was knocked out, I think Villanova's been the best team in the tournament. So I will take them. Uh, and uh, just one last note from here from me on these on these on on this game is, uh, like J- Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham is a fantastic point guard matchup. I actually think Kansas might put, Gerald Vic on Brunson um, maybe he won't I'd love to see Graham and Brunson go head to head but I wonder if Bill Self might try and just throw a little bit of a wrinkle there Vic is more athletic he's longer he's a bit rangier and, and try and uh, see if he's going to do that or does he just put them on bridges overall that's the problem with with Villanova man you just you can't account for everything that they can do on offense they just have too much versatility all over the floor and so that's why I just I think Kansas is going to need a lights out game from on on the offensive end, which it can do. But then, it can, can it provide really one of its best defensive performances of the season? I think that is necessary in order for the Jayhawks to win this game.
0: I got Kansas winning the game. Um, I, I agree with you. Villanova is the better team and has been the better better team all season. But um, you know, they're getting something different out of Malik Newman right now than they've gotten all year. Like he's arguably been the best player in this NCAA tournament. The thing about Kansas is. You know, Yes, it is the worst defensive team ever under Bill Self. It also shoots three-pointers at a greater rate than any other Kansas team under Bill Self or any Bill Self coach team ever. They shoot 41% of their field goal attempts from beyond the arc, and they make about 40% of those. So the, on average, they're taking 25, and they're they're making 10. So they're going to take 25 no matter what. And they have multiple capable shooters on the court at all times. You know, whether it's Svi Luke, or Malik Newman, Devonte Graham, they've got different guys who can make shots from the perimeter on the court at all times. So if they take 25 and make 10, you know, you're fine, probably. If they take 25 and make 5, you're going to beat them by double digits, probably. But what happens if they take 25 and make 14? Like, it's not yeah. the craziest thing in the world. Keep in mind, one time Butler shot 68% from three-point range on Villanova and beat them. So my prediction would be this: Malik Newman continues to play at a high level. I'm with you on Vic, Vick uh, bothering Jalen Brunson. Uh, Kansas takes 25 threes and makes better than its actual season percentage, and the Jayhawks not only cover the five point spread, one, but I got the Jayhawks. Str- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Str- <laughs> Kansas, 80. Villanova, 78. Bill Self is in the national championship game once again. Kansas, straight
1: <laughs> There is a story behind that that I will not share on the podcast in terms of what you've just listened to, but that was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. All right, you're going to take the Jayhawks straight up.
0: No, which, no, 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 no. I'm not just taking the Jayhawks straight up. I'm taking the Jayhawks straight up.
1: Sounds like a, a clear-eyed, straight-up the morning after, if I may add. There, so this yeah, should be. I don't
0: know how Sister Jean stays so lucid all the time. <laughs>
1: she's she's not she's not uh, she's not painting the town red like I I think that you very Ooh. well may have done last night. I can't confirm or deny because obviously we don't hang out anymore. So it is <laughs> what it is. I won't. I, I hope I see you today. I I really don't know though. Like I, see, I might see you today. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll try and get something done Sunday. Regardless, I gotta go do a CBS Sports HQ kit. And you, if you have not, by the way, been watching, please do. I hey GP, real quick. I'm walking mm-hmm. on the streets. Maybe this person listens to the podcast. Someone goes, "Hey Norlander." I was like, "Yeah." How'd you know? He goes, "I saw you on HQ." And I was like, okay. "My bosses will love that." But this is kind of weird. So anyway, we're GP's going to be doing a lot of hits on HQ. I will as well. If Loyola wins tonight, I think I have to like try and get a player. To go on HQ, that's going to be fun, but it is a tremendous, tremendous way to uh, to experience the tournament. I just wanted to give a quick little plug. That's all.
0: Yeah, how about that? HQ raising the celebrity status of Matt Norlander on the streets of San Antonio. You can go to CBS Sports HQ.com to check it out. 24 hours a day, CBS Sports HQ. Like like we've told you before, it's our brand new free 24-7 streaming sports information channel. It's got scores, got news, got highlights. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on Apple TV. You can watch it at CBSSportsHQ.com. You ready to call it a podcast?
1: Let's call it a podcast. I got to go do an HQ hit. You got to embrace the day.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I got to tackle the day. I got to win the day. I'm going to go out there and win the day in sunglasses, no less.
1: Love it. All right, man. Have a great time on Sports Network. Hopefully, we'll see each other tonight. Hopefully, we have a great pair of semifinals. And then, obviously, we will have a podcast ready for you by Monday morning, previewing the national title game and recapping anything that was necessary from what we get on Saturday night.
0: Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF He's Teagle. He's the, rele- uh, he's the legend. And please go subscribe to the On College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast. Rate it favorably. Five stars with nice comments. We always appreciate that. Like Norlander said, we'll talk to you real, uh, soon. Um, enjoy the semifinals. And we'll be back either Sunday night, Monday morning. Till then, take care.